Good evening and Merry Christmas. It is so nice to welcome everybody into our worship service this evening here at Germantown Presbyterian Church. Welcome one and all to this time of worship, especially if you are a visitor. If you've come in from out of town, if you're here visiting family, we are delighted that you're worshiping with us on this Christmas Eve, and we certainly hope that you feel very much at home among us. So welcome one and all to this worship service. Welcome to all of you who are watching online. We know we have many people who are watching our live stream of this service, and so it's a delight to welcome everybody who's watching us in the uh, comfort of your own home this evening. Definitely welcome one and all. This, is, uh, this has been a wonderful Advent and Christmas season for us here at GPC, and we've had so many good activities and uh, Bible studies and children's events and all kinds of wonderful things going on. And so we are grateful for everyone who has contributed to making this a great Advent and now Christmas Eve and Christmas season here at GPC. Part of that, of course, includes all the decorations that are around the church, and tonight the poinsettias that grace our worship service. And so we know that many people gave uh, a poinsettia in honor of or in memory of someone, and so if that's you, thank you, and there are green sheets of paper at each entry point into the sanctuary on the tables. You can see the list of those who gave a poinsettia, either in memory of someone or in honor of someone. And uh, maybe in honor of you, someone gave a poinsettia. So please do see those. Thank you, everyone who did that. And if you did give a poinsettia and you'd like to take it with you at the conclusion of this worship service, you're invited to do so. You can take one home to your own Christmas table. Take it to a neighbor. Take it to someone in need and uh, beautify their Christmas Eve experience as well. So please take a poinsettia with you as you leave this evening. We're grateful uh, to have uh, two different elements uh, back uh, this year, of course, as part of our Christmas Eve worship service. Uh, That is our candle lighting, and so we'll have a sharing of the light a little bit later in the service, and I hope everybody received the candle on your way in. Um, Each year, it's it's a little bit helpful to share with everybody the easiest way to light the candle as they come down the pews is for the lit candle to stay vertical and the unlit candle to come in horizontally so we're not dripping wax on yourself or someone else. So please uh, be careful uh, with our candles, but we're delighted to have that as part of our service. And then it's also a communion um, service tonight. Each Christmas Eve, we have communion as part of our 530 service. And so I hope you received your elements on the way in. Again, because of uh, COVID protocols, we do it a little bit differently. So you'll have that baggie of the uh, goldfish and the grape. We thank our worship committee for making all of that available for you. If you didn't receive that on the way in, then you can slip out at some point of the service so you can partake of communion with all of us together. And if you're worshiping at home with us, as usual, we invite you to have uh, some kind of juice or bread, juice, uh, wine, or bread with you. And as we partake here in the sanctuary, then you're invited to partake of communion at home during this worship service. Friends, we've been doing something uh, for about eight years here at GPC now called the Christmas Eve Offering Challenge, and that is uh, for everybody to know, members and visitors alike, that 100% of tonight's offering will go to two of our mission partners in the greater Memphis area, Binghamton Christian Academy and the Rising Together Foundation. Both of these groups are are regular partners in mission with us at GPC. We have volunteers who serve at both of these great institutions. And on Christmas Eve, we want our offering to be not, not to go just to the church, but really all of it to go 
to support these two great agencies in our community. And so you'll be invited a little bit later to, to make an offering. And just so you know, all of that goes to these two great organizations, Binghamton Christian Academy and the Rising Together Foundation. Don't forget that we have one service this coming Sunday, two days from now on the 26th. We will not have our 8.30 early service, nor our uh, 6 p.m. contemporary worship service, but we'll have one service at 11 a.m. here in the sanctuary. And if you're uh, a younger child and you'll be attending that service, we're encouraging all of our children to bring one present that they receive at Christmas, to bring one present to that worship service, and we're going to do something special at that 11 o'clock worship service. So bring a gift. I, I guess all of you could. You could all bring a present. Wear something new or bring a toy with you. We'll do something special during that 11 o'clock worship service. Friends, those are all of our announcements. And now let us prepare to worship God. Friends, I invite you to stand as you are able and join in the call to worship. This is a holy night. It is a night in which the impossible was about to happen in Bethlehem. This is the evening when creation stood still and held its breath. For God was doing the most wonderful, dangerous thing. On this night, we remember the words of the prophet Isaiah. The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who live in a land of deep darkness, on them has the light shined. This is the evening when God embraced humanity from the inside as one of us from birth to death. We sing like the angels, glory to God in the highest, and may there be peace and goodness to all people.
Would you join me as we pray together on Christmas Eve? Jesus Christ, tonight we celebrate your birth in Bethlehem. O God, the soles of your feet have touched the earth, and the whole world has been lit by your presence. At Christmas, the world welcomes the King of Heaven, born as a tiny infant. You have come among us. You are one of us. May our songs and praises rise to surround your throne as our knees bend to salute your cradle. Amen. You may be seated. Today is Christmas Eve, and we light the last candle in our wreath, the Christ candle. This candle signifies the birth of God's Son into our world. For long years, people waited for the Messiah, and their prayers were answered when Jesus was born in Bethlehem. On the night of his birth, the angels sang of God's glory and goodness. God's glory shines brightest in the life of Jesus Christ. Like Simeon and Anna, who took the child Jesus into their arms and praised God, let us embrace the vulnerability and power of God found in the birth of Jesus. In the book of Isaiah, we read, I will also make you a light for the Gentiles, that my salvation may reach to the ends of the earth. This is what the Lord says, the Redeemer and Holy One of Israel, to him who was despised and abhorred by the nation, to the servant of rulers, kings will see you and stand up. Princes will see you and bow down, because the Lord, who is faithful, the Holy One of Israel, who has chosen you. And in the New Testament, we hear John say, The Word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son, who came from, from the Father, full of grace and truth. Let us pray. Dear God, in this celebration of Christmas, we offer you our hearts. You are God, and we are your people. Thank you for the birth of Jesus. Thank you for loving us and sending your Son into the world for our sake. We are grateful for his life and death. We are thankful for forgiveness in his name. Share with us your love always, so that we might share it with others near and far. Grace, mercy, and peace are yours always. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Our scripture reading out of Isaiah chapter 9, verses 2 through 7. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. You have enlarged the nation and increased their joy. They rejoice before you as people rejoice at the harvest, as warriors rejoice when dividing the plunder. For as in the day of Midian's defeat, 
You have shattered the yoke that burdens them, the bar across their shoulders, the rod of their oppressor. Every warrior's boot used in battle and every garment rolled in blood will be destined for burning, will be fuel for the fire. For to us, a child is born. To us, a son is given. And the government will be on his shoulders. And he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. Thank you. 
A reading from the Gospel according to Matthew, chapter 1, verses 18 to 25. Let us hear God's word to us. Now the birth of Jesus the Messiah took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been engaged to Joseph, but before they lived together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. Her husband, Joseph, being a righteous man and unwilling to expose her to public disgrace, planned to dismiss her quietly. But just when he had resolved to do this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for the child conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you are to name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what had been spoken by the Lord through the prophet. Look, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. When, Jesus, when Joseph awoke from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him, and he took Mary as his wife, but had no marital relations with her until she bore a son, and he named him Jesus. Our third and final reading comes from the Gospel of Luke. It's in the second chapter, and it starts with the first verse. So in those days, there was a decree that went out from Emperor Augustus that all the world should be registered. And this was the first registration that was taken while Quirinius was governor of Syria. So all went to their own towns to be registered. Joseph also went from the town of Nazareth in Galilee in Judea to the city of David called Bethlehem because he was descended from the house and the line of David. He went to be registered with Mary to whom he was engaged and who was expecting a child. And while they were there, the time came for her to deliver her child. And she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in bands of cloth and laid him in a manger because there was no place for them in the inn. And so in that region, there were some shepherds living in the fields, and they were keeping watch over their flocks by night. But then an angel of the Lord stood and before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, don't be afraid. See, I'm bringing you good news of great joy for all the people. To you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is the Messiah, the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You'll find a child wrapped in bands of cloth and lying in a manger. 
And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God, and they were saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven, and on earth peace among those whom he favors. And when the angels left them and went into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go now to Bethlehem and see this thing that's taken place, which the Lord has made known to us. So they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the child lying in the manger. And when they saw this, they made known to them what had been told them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds had told them. But Mary treasured all of these words and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned, glorifying, praising God for all that they had seen and heard, just as it had been told them. This is the word of our Lord. Thanks be to God. In those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be enrolled. Now, in those days, when a decree went out from the Roman emperor, it covered what they knew of as the whole world. The Roman Empire was the whole world for them. It ruled with great strength and might. It covered thousands of miles of territory, hundreds of people's groups, dozens and dozens of languages. Rome was the center of the Western Hemisphere. The Roman emperor had near absolute authority. And Caesar Augustus was one of the strongest emperors ever. So when Caesar issued a decree, it meant business. This time it meant business because they needed to raise more money to keep the empire running. That's the reason for this whole enrollment or registration, as some versions call it. It was a census. They were taking a census of everyone who could pay taxes. So in his decree, Caesar ordered that every male had to return to his hometown, provide information regarding his occupation and his income, and then Caesar's soldiers would tell them how much they had to pay. There were no itemized deductions, no loss carryovers, no child tax credits. You paid what was demanded of you or else. People like Joseph, who lived in the region of the empire known as Syria, had to register or the local governor, whose name was Quirinius, would track you down and punish you. A royal decree had the force of law, and no one defied a royal decree unless they were ready to pay the penalty, which could be anything up to even death. There are lots of royal decrees that we find in Scripture. In the Old Testament, there are some famous ones like the decree that King Nebuchadnezzar gave for all of his royal servants. All those servants in exile in Babylon had to bow down to a golden statue that Nebuchadnezzar made. Or else. Well, everyone did except for three who were loyal to God. They refused to bow down, and so they faced a fiery furnace. 
Another royal decree from King Darius forbade Daniel from worshiping God, so he faces what is to be certain death in the lion's den. Decrees. Decrees are laws. Our world, our our governments always work along the lines of laws and decrees. What you have to do, regulations you have to follow, taxes you must pay, rules you have to obey, dogmas you shall accept, signs by which you must comply or else. We live in a decree-ripe world. Joseph knew the seriousness of Caesar's decree, but... Wasn't it terrible timing for Joseph and for Mary to travel to Bethlehem? Mary, who Joseph cared for greatly, was due right then to have her baby. The journey from Nazareth to Bethlehem was about 90 miles over some easy terrain, but also some rough and hilly terrain. All of our mental pictures of this journey have Joseph walking that 90 miles and Mary riding a donkey, Joseph walking beside her. Can you imagine how hard that journey would have been for either one of them? How hard it would have been, especially for Mary, at a full nine months. Mary in grave discomfort and anxiety. Joseph also full of anxiety and full of worry. I mean, not the least of his worries would have been when he got to Bethlehem to explain Mary's condition to all his people in Bethlehem because they weren't married yet. I can just hear somebody saying, an angel came to you in a dream, Joseph, and said, what? Mary was visited by an angel one day and talked to, the, talked to her about the Messiah? Joseph, maybe you and Mary need to go stay in the barn tonight. There's no room for you in our end. If it weren't for Caesar's decree, there's no way that Joseph and Mary would have made this arduous five-day, dangerous 90-mile journey from Nazareth to Bethlehem. But now, now we know, with a, a fuller understanding of the bigger picture, we know, don't we, that there was another kind of decree that was just unfolding in the stars above Bethlehem that night. It was in the atmosphere all around them. There was another decree, stronger than Caesar's decree, at work in the lives of Mary and Joseph. The king behind this proclamation possessed far more power and authority than Caesar, or Nebuchadnezzar, or Darius, or any king or governor or ruler who has ever lived or ever will live. This decree does cover the whole world and all territories and every people group and every language that's ever existed. This is the decree of the God who so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son that whoever might believe in Him wouldn't die but would have eternal life. This is the decree of God. You see what's happening on this starry night above Bethlehem, and really in that lowly cattle barn, what's happening is the unfolding of God's eternal decree. That phrase, God's eternal decree, was coined back in the 1600s by some of the first Presbyterians, and they put it into their confessions and catechisms to talk about how God works in the world. You see, they believe that the eternal and sovereign creator of the universe chooses to work through ordinary events, and people, and human history, 
and regular lives. The Creator who made everything out of nothing for no reason other than sheer love, this power behind the universe was and still is upholding and uplifting creation for no reason other than love. And when God determined that the fullness of time had come, when the times and the epochs of history had revolved and resulted in the perfect circumstances, when God resolved that it was finally time to enter into His creation in order to save those made in His image, when God decided to become flesh and dwell among us, then a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be enrolled. And Joseph went with Mary to Bethlehem, where she gave birth to her firstborn son and laid him in a manger. Can you imagine, can you hear or maybe understand what's going on with the merging of these decrees, with with eternity and temporality, with time and what is with God? The merging of these decrees, it means we believe that, that God is at work carefully, lovingly, painstakingly. God is at work within history to bring about His eternal purposes through rulers, through governments, through governors, people who may think they have all the power, they don't. There's even a more powerful God at work bringing about justice and mercy and love and redemption within human history. Human decrees are all about law and about force. But God's decrees, God's eternal decrees, are about love and mercy. They're full of grace and love. God decrees and creates hope by doing so, God is still at work right now through the pains of creation, creation which is groaning for God's kingdom to come. God is at work. God was at work when the timing was so difficult for da- and dangerous for Mary and Joseph. God was at work in all of those circumstances going on in their lives. God was at work on their arduous journey. God's eternal decree of love for the world became flesh in Mary's baby, and He was laid in a manger. Friends, on this Christmas Eve, I invite you to hear God's eternal decree spoken into your life. God's eternal decree of love that is still at work today. It's at work right now. It is at work tonight. And I believe it is at work in you and me. You see, what we believe is, as Christ followers, that God is working in all of the circumstances of your life, the good ones and the hard ones. God is working to reveal His love and His mercy and His purpose for you. And sometimes when your journey is as arduous and dangerous as Mary's and Joseph's, right there we believe that God is protecting you. When things don't make sense sometimes, like they didn't make sense for Joseph on that, in that season, when things don't make sense and they're confusing, when all you can do is trust and walk by faith, we believe that God is right there behind the scenes upholding you for no reason other than love which is the only reason by which God operates. We believe that God's eternal decree of love is at work through joys and sorrows. God's decree of sovereign love is is unfolding even when we suffer. We know this because we follow Jesus' own life from Bethlehem to Nazareth into His adulthood through His ministry and then to Calvary and then to the cross. God's decree of love for humanity was flowing fully all from eternity into history, into our lives through Christ suffering on the cross for no reason other than love. 
which means that in our lives, when times of hardship come and suffering is acute and decisions are difficult, God is there. God is at work behind the scenes. God is at work in our personal histories and all of our stories. God is there providing direction and meaning and hope. And so on this Christmas Eve, as all of us watch the stars and watch the sky in hope, as many of us wonder about the mysteries of God, and frankly, if many of us wonder if there is an even is a God, on this Christmas Eve, I invite you, whoever you may be, to experience the freedom and the grace of God's eternal love. As you worship tonight and as you taste the communion of God within you in this sacrament, Know that tonight and always, God is at work in your life. God is at work in our world. God is at work in history and in its events to redeem and save. And then know, especially for you, each and every soul in this room tonight, each and every person, please know and feel God's love at work in your own life, drawing you closer into the God whose eternal decree of love includes you. Amen, and Merry Christmas. Friends, we do come now to this time of the offering where we make our special offering for these two agencies that I have already mentioned. We know that at Christmas, God gave himself to the world, that God poured out love and grace into all of us through the baby who was born in Bethlehem. And so as grateful people, we now give back to support the work of those who are young and vulnerable. I invite you to give this evening with a cheerful and grateful heart.
Friends, we gather now around this table not only to remember the purpose of Christmas as God's greatest gift of grace to the whole world, but also to receive the mercy of our Lord in Jesus Christ through the sacrament of Holy Communion. Tonight we will partake of the elements that have been provided for you in those amazing little baggies, and we'll let you know when we will do that together. So now would you join me as we enter into God's presence in prayer. Jesus, on this night, we come to you with a desire to take all the way in to internalize the significance of your birth for our lives. And as we hear of angels singing the gladness of shepherds and the movement of your spirit, we lift to you those that are on our hearts for whom this night maybe doesn't feel worshipful. We remember before you those who are keeping us safe right now and those who are keeping us warm. Those for whom we can thank these lights being on and our streets being clean. We pray for those who cannot sing because this has been a season of grief rather than joy. And we pray for your spirit to move in the lives of all who suffer at this season. Formalities of the heart, mind, body, or spirit. Because we know that you're good. And we share these with you not to temper our celebrations, but to deepen them as a call to action in love and compassion for all we meet. So join us in these elements now through the power of your Holy Spirit. Endow them with yourself that in receiving them, we will be nourished and healed and renewed in our devotion to you. And we join together in saying the prayer that you taught us, our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. A little later in this story, more than 30 years after Jesus was born, he was having dinner with his best friends, and during the meal, he took a piece of bread, and he took it, blessed it, and broke it. And he gave it to his disciples, and he said, Take, eat this. This bread is my body, broken for you. Eat of it and remember me. In the same way, after the meal, Jesus took the cup, saying, This is the cup of the new covenant, sealed in my blood for the forgiveness of sin. Drink this in remembrance of me. My friends, every time that we eat of this bread 
and we drink of this cup, we remember our Lord and Savior saving death until he comes again. These are the gifts of God, and they are for the people of God. Thanks be to God. I invite you now to take your grape and your cracker and let us partake of Holy Communion together. The body and blood of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen.
Let us turn to God in prayer. In gratitude, deep gratitude for this moment, for this night when we celebrate our Lord's birth. In gratitude for this meal and for all who have gathered, united by your love, Lord Jesus, we give you thanks and we give ourselves to you. Transform us, holy God, into the people you call us to be because we have shared the living bread and we cannot remain the same. Ask much of us, expect much from us, enable much by us, encourage many through us. Make us strong in our Lord's service so that we may follow him faithfully wherever he leads. We offer these prayers through Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. And together we say, Amen. Out of the darkness of creation, God brought forth light. Out of fear and alienation, God sent a pillar of light to guide God's people throughout their lives. Out of the power of the Holy Spirit, God's light was born in a tiny child, and that light shall never be diminished. Praise God for the warm light of God's incarnate love. Let us receive and share the light, and let its warmth and glow be in our hearts this night and forevermore. Thanks be to God.
Holy name, grow. 
the scripture readings for the celebration of the light. John chapter 1, verse 1 through 5, and also John chapter 8, verse 12, reads as follows. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. When Jesus spoke again to the people, he said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Go now out into this Christmas Eve evening, knowing that the light of God has bent down and to dwell in this world. The love of God has come upon each and every one of us. Take that light and take that love out into the world and share it with everybody you encounter. And as you go, may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you and remain with you always. Amen. Amen. Amen.